Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Uh, it's certainly the hope. Um, we'll we'll listen to the authorities on that and the, the medical community. Uh, obviously, everybody wants to get back to live events, both in Las Vegas and, and around the world. And as soon as we're given the go-ahead, uh, our plan is to hopefully open the place up and, and pack it and bring people to town and have it be the economic stimulus that everybody thought it was going to be. That was Raiders president and CEO uh, Mark Bedane uh, speaking over the weekend at a... Uh, uh, an event um, that the Raiders put together in conjunction with MGM Grand uh, to try to uh, get some food uh, to uh, to some some people who need it. Um, you know, keep in mind uh, people are still trying to crawl out from under uh, the devastation of uh, this pandemic and what it's meant in terms of jobs and um, livelihoods. Uh, you know, um, we're still feeling it. People are still feeling it, and I think that that's the thing that I. Um, you know, when Sam Gordon, our good friend from the Las Vegas Review Journal, was just on, uh, he was talking about what the strip looked like uh, almost like this time last year, basically. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was devastating to drive down the strip, a place that's always bustling. I mean, you know, there's no town that's 24 7 like Las Vegas. It's just up and running like constantly. And, um, you know, I would take my kids uh, down there just to drive up and down the strip uh, and to see what, you know, to, what, it, what it looked like when we were going through the worst of it. And it was literally a ghost town. And um, all I kept thinking about, and I would remind my kids about this, you know, you see all these beautiful buildings and the hotels and it all looks fun. But always keep in mind and always remember that what that really represents, and aside from the fun um, and, you know, the glamour and a good meal, a good show, having going to a good concert, those are jobs. All these hotels, all these restaurants, all these venues, Allegiant Stadium, um, at the end of the day, uh, such a big part of, of all of this is the jobs and livelihoods that it creates. And, you know, you start talking about uh, what that means for the local economy and the state's economy and for everybody's well-being and, and uh, it's it, it's endless, and you know, for, uh, and, and uh, like I said, people are still dealing with the effects of being furloughed and losing their jobs, and now just getting back on their feet. Some people lost their jobs; they haven't gotten their jobs back. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mark Bedane and, and MGM and the Raiders, you know, put together uh, an event this weekend uh, to get food to, to people who really need it. And as part of that. You know, the media was out there uh, talking to Bill Hornbuckle from MGM and Mark Bedane about getting Allegiant Stadium to a point where um, it can open its doors to 100% capacity. Um, and, and we're all waiting for that, for that day. And, and it means so much more than just, you know, being uh, – it'll get to this point where it's, it's, it's you know uh, – a stadium that becomes an advantage for the Raiders. And I've been to places where that is absolutely the case. You go to Seattle, you go to New Orleans, um, you go to some of these stadiums where the fans are daunting. I mean, they, they play such a role uh, in how it affects the opposing team, how it lifts the home team. And I have a feeling just being in Allegiant Stadium 
uh, last year and, and hearing the acoustics and you know keep in mind there was music being played at times and um, you know they they I, I want to say that they piped in a little bit of fan noise uh, uh, but you can you can tell walking into that stadium into that venue that if there was a full house and they were you know uh, ripping and roaring that it's going to be a deafening type sound in there uh, the way it was built. And I'm no engineer or, or anything like that, so I don't know exactly uh, if they did this with that element in mind. I suspect that they have that they did in order to to make sure that um, you know when it when when people are are, are cheering and screaming and yelling uh, that there's going to be an optimal <laughs> uh, containment of the sound so that it has an effect. Uh, on the game and the opposing team, you want that. That's part of your uh, home field advantage, and I think that the, that Allegiant Stadium is going to be that uh, for the Raiders. Like, you just feel it. You can just feel like it's going to get loud in here, and uh, more so than an open-air stadium or some other stadiums. Um, but that being said, it's going to get to that point where it is a huge advantage for the Raiders, um, probably as, as early as, next, as this coming up season. But, you know, beyond that, um, when we talk about the stadium and, and – you know, opening to full capacity and what it means, uh, not just for the Raiders, but this local economy, uh, it's, it's a big deal. It really is a big deal. You know, uh, Nevada wanted to be a part of this for various reasons. You know, getting the NFL uh, to a city uh, like Las Vegas is a game changer. It basically announces Las Vegas as a big-time sports town. And it always has been in its own little way. Uh, obviously, gambling is a huge part of, of that. People come here uh, to watch games and, and bet on them, and so sports has always been. There's there's a there's a, a, a an intensity for sports here uh, that's real and prevalent. And now, um, but but it was it was it was isolated to you know the, the gambling aspect of it. Um, but now to have the Raiders here uh, as the local team, the local NFL team. It's just a real game changer. But what that stadium is also going to mean in terms of the economy and jobs, uh, and you know, when you start talking about people wanting to stay at the, you know, coming in for a weekend and uh, you know, staying at the local hotels and, and eating at the local restaurants and drinking at the local bars and gambling and doing all of that thing, it's a it's a economic driver, and that's why Nevada. Uh, was so open to making this deal work. And they did it in a very clever and shrewd and intelligent way. Uh, for those of you who don't know the dynamics of, of this deal, you know, um, you pick up a newspaper or read a story online and you see $700 million uh, in local money, state money, going into this project. And I know that the initial reaction is always to you know, blow a gasket. Um, well, if you look at the, the the way it worked, the dynamics of the deal, uh, what Nevada did was they tapped into their uh, re their the, the defining resource of this state and of this city, and that's tourism. And they raised the tax on out of towners tax bill uh, when they're staying at a hotel here in Las Vegas and 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 Reno as well, and all throughout the state. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but it's it's almost like too insignificant to even mention a half a cent, maybe a cent. I don't know that that um, a, a, that it raised each tax, each hotel bill, um, and and of that, 
money, that that cent or half of a cent or whatever it is uh, that it was right that it raised each hotel bill, um, that money was going to go toward the stadium and and funding the stadium. So, long story short, not to get into all the weeds uh, of this, it essentially means that out of towners tourists are coming in and paying for the stadium. Uh, it's not coming out of the local pocketbooks. Um, if you come in and, and travel to Las Vegas uh, or Reno and you stay at one of the hotels, um, you're paying for this, essentially. And so it's a, it really is a, a brilliant idea. And, and so now, you know, when the state did what it did uh, to, be, to become a partner in this, in this venture, uh, they did it not just with the Raiders in mind, although that's the driving force of all this and the NFL being here, of course. It's just a, it changes the image of Las Vegas. It, it's, it's a game changer, period. Uh, but what it also means for the concerts and the Super Bowls that are coming and the Final Fours that are coming uh, the big shows, the, the uh, WrestleMania, uh, I would imagine, um, you know, there's going to be big college, I'll just say this, there's going to be big college football games being played in that game, whether you're talking about a regular season game uh, of prestigious uh, teams involved, just count on that, I can say that right now. Um, I know uh, some of the things that are, you know, in the works, it's not official yet, so I'm not going to, you know... Uh, uh, jump out ahead of it, but there's going to be premier college football games uh, being played in that stadium, and that's not to mention things like the Pac-12 championship game and the uh, national championship game. There's going to be a bowl game here now that's that's played here each year, and uh, it's it's you know I mentioned the Pac-12 championship game historically that's been played most recently. Uh, up in the Bay Area, Bay Area at Stanford, and then they put it at. Uh, I, I want to say I, I went. I covered it when it was at Stanford a couple times when UCLA was playing up there. I think USC, but then also they put it in. Uh, I want to say Santa Clara as well. Um, and you know what? Nothing against the stadium up in Santa Clara. Nothing against it. Okay, uh, it's not my favorite whatsoever. Um, in fact, it's it's pretty way down there as far as these new stadiums uh, that have cropped up. Uh, the location is just, it's not in San Francisco by any stretch of the imagination. It's, in fact, it's, it's kind of quite a ways from, from uh, San Francisco. It just doesn't have that kind of Bay Area feel. I know to the traditionalists uh, up in the Bay Area, uh, you've, you've responded on Twitter many times when I've said that. It is the Bay Area. I know it's the Bay Area. But you know what? Um, you know, Irwindale is part of Los Angeles County, and it's technically part of SoCal and Los Angeles, and it's not really. We all know that. So um, it's not the traditional Bay Area that we think with the water and all that beauty and everything like that. But anyway, um, the other part of that is, for some reason, nobody ever really wanted to go watch the Pac-12 championship game uh, up in Santa Clara. It just, it was a, it was, it was kind of laughable and almost embarrassing uh, watching the game up there. And I covered enough of them to know that on a, I think they would play those games on a Friday night, uh, five o'clock start, six o'clock start in the middle of traffic uh, on a Friday night. Sometimes the teams would be everywhere but the Bay Area. Um, it just, it, it, it was like, ugh, I just, it, it was, it was boring to be honest with you. It was boring. The stadium was kind of boring. Um, it just, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, and, and nobody went. So uh, there you go. Well, 
you put that game now, the Pac-12 championship game here in Las Vegas, uh, if you're Arizona State, if you're Oregon, if you're Washington, you know, uh, and you have your choice between, you know, you know, traveling to San Jose to go watch the Pac-12 championship game or Las Vegas, what do you think you're going to pick? What, 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 you know, and, and I'll say this about Las Vegas, they make it pretty reasonable <laughs> to get out here too. Um, you know, uh, the, the, it's, it's in a very good location for all of the Pac-12 schools to get to. It's a very short flight from everywhere uh, that the Pac-12 is, right? Um, generally speaking, uh, depending on uh, how you got it or don't have it with the money, You'll be able to get here at a reasonable cost, and you'll be able to stay here at a reasonable cost. And it has everything for everybody. Whatever your pocketbook and bank account looks like um, and whatever you're willing to spend or can spend, you're going to be able to find um, you know, accommodations that fit your uh, style here in Las Vegas. And so... Um, and you have every yeah you're you're in the epicenter of fun so something like the pack just even like that the Pac-12 championship game I think is going to look incredibly different uh, from now on or the years that it's in uh, at, you know at, at at Allegiant Stadium and I think the same can be said in Los Angeles I think I think it's going to be a, a a nice deal there when if and when it gets to uh, uh, to SoFi Stadium uh, but then on top, the WrestleMania the concerts. The Final Fours, uh, the Super Bowl will be coming here. Can you imagine the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? And um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it being in Los Angeles next year. Uh, I can't wait uh, to check it out. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a to be um, a uh, you know a, somebody that wrote about and covered that whole thing of football coming back to Los Angeles or the NFL coming back to Los Angeles and to see all the trials and tribulations and the roller coaster ride and uh, to, to, to be able to, to step foot into SoFi Stadium when the Super Bowl is there next year and just to see the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. I've been to a Super Bowls in a lot of different places now. Uh, it always takes over the city. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it's laid out. In Los Angeles, if you haven't been to Los Angeles, it's very spread out. So I can imagine that you're going to have things um, from the beach to downtown, um, and you know Santa Monica, uh, that area. Um, so there's, it's, it's. I think, I think the Super Bowl itself, uh, the festivities are going to be fairly spread out in Los Angeles, and that's cool. Uh, that's just part of the Los Angeles story. But here in Las Vegas, can you imagine everything being centralized? Uh, on the strip, in the various you know points uh, of the strip, there's a brand new convention center uh, that, that that's being that's you know that has been built. Uh, uh, there's all the different hotels and casinos and vantage points and you know the Bellagio and the the, the waterfall in the Bellagio. So I can imagine that they're going to tap into all that. So I can't and it's going to be if you're going to stay if you're going to be coming here to the Super Bowl and staying on the strip. You're probably going to be able to walk, <laughs> or uh, you know, or a very very short ride uh, to all the various points uh, and attractions. So uh, I can't wait. But that's what Allegiant Stadium means to this city now. Um, it's a guarantee that you're going to have big time events, and you know, with the calendar, uh, with the weather here, yeah, it gets a little cold. Obviously, it gets hot, but hot heat can be uh, managed. It gets a little bit, you know, cold. But this is the type of city where it's 24-7, 12 months out of the year. 
uh, and you're going to be able to book that place uh, throughout the course of the year and have some magical moments and magical events uh, here at Allegiant Stadium. And, and now that you know, it was supposed to already be happening. We were supposed to be talking in past tense about some great events that have already been there. Um, and, and yes, you know, the Raiders season uh, w w was memorable in a, in a lot of ways, this being the first year last year, last season uh, in, in Las Vegas. So there was a historical element to it. But something was missing, man. I'm not going to lie. And that was the case everywhere you went uh, in the NFL. When, when the Raiders played the Chargers at SoFi Stadium um, and, and, to me, that that stadium is just um, unbelievable. If, if you if you know get out to SoFi Stadium and check that place out, uh, it's just it's bar none. Um, it's tremendous. Uh, I do say that uh, my belief anyway is that Allegiant Stadium. Um, there's 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 some reasons why maybe SoFi Stadium uh, might be uh, like inside, maybe a little bit grander, a little bit better, um, you know, uh, nicer, if you want to say. Uh, and, and I only mean it because there's differences to the stadiums. Uh, it's a bigger stadium, uh, SoFi Stadium. There's things about that stadium that's just, it's been taken to another level. And, um, and, and, but Allegiant Stadium, on the other hand, uh, what I love about Allegiant Stadium beyond everything else, and it's immaculate in that place and beautiful, it's raidered out, it's silver and black in there, it's going to, you can tell that it's the acoustics are going to be tremendous. It's it's just a great home for the Raiders, and uh, one of the great new stadiums or just great stadiums. Period, uh, in not just in in America but the world. It is fantastic. You're going to love Allegiant Stadium, uh, but the thing that that really to me sets it apart from even SoFi Stadium is the location. Uh, you know, SoFi Stadium. I'm I'm basically grew up in Southern California. So going to Inglewood, uh, where the Lakers uh, played for so many years at the Forum, uh, I am well-versed uh, in getting to Inglewood, okay, um, as many people in Los Angeles are. But the, the thing about where the Forum is, still stands, by the way, um, and where SoFi Stadium is, and, and the Clippers are going to have their um, stadium as well, as opposed to... Other stadiums around the world, and here in Las Vegas with with Legion Stadium, you have to like drive to it to even know that it's there. Like you have to, you have to make it a point to get to a certain place of Los Angeles, Inglewood, California, to be able to see it. Um, here in Las Vegas. You just have to be on the 15 freeway coming into Las Vegas or leaving Las Vegas or driving in and around Las Vegas or where, I mean, you know, I could see it. Like when I leave my house and start coming down a certain hill, um, I could see it. I, I could see Allegiant Stadium from so many different vantage points here in Las Vegas, whether you're talking about Henderson, whether you're talking about uh, on the other side in Summerlin. Uh, heck, you can see it if you go to, uh, to the Raiders practice facility. Um, I, I think it's on the second floor or maybe the third floor. I haven't gotten up to the high, high uh, end of the uh, offices yet, so uh, we'll see if I ever make it, make my way up to there. But there's vantage points where you can see the stadium from uh, from offices at the facility in Henderson. SoFi Stadium, you don't see it from any freeway. You have to drive to see it. You have to drive to get there. If you didn't know it was there, you would never know that it was there. That's different in Allegiant Stadium. And many stadiums, too, where you're just driving around on the main freeway, 
uh, or the main thoroughfare in whatever city you're in, you're boom, you're going to see that stadium. And it just kind of puts it all in perspective. And it's like becomes the anchor of that city. And that's where uh, that's what I think that Allegiant Stadium, the edge that Allegiant Stadium has over SoFi. You can't miss it. And you know, just looking at it, that's the Raiders Stadium right there uh, because it's sleek and black and silver and beautiful. Uh, and you can see it from everywhere. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonner. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. My focus right now is just come in and, and do my best and whatever is asked of me um, to help the team win. Um, obviously, it, Coach Gruden and, and Mike Mayo have been building a, a real good team. Um, and I've been playing close attention to that while the year I was gone. Um, all the pieces are there. Um, um, I think we're, we're ready to win. And um, so whatever I'm going to need to do to help us win, that's what I'm going to do. That is the voice of new Raiders uh, safety, Carl uh, Joseph, uh, speaking on Friday from the uh, Raiders practice facility in Henderson after uh, signing his new contract with the Raiders, returning after a year away. Uh, Carl played uh, with the Cleveland Browns uh, last year. He played his first four years uh, with the Raiders, was the 14th pick overall in the 2016 draft out of West Virginia. And, you know, if you look at um, what Carl Joseph did uh, during his four years with the Raiders, uh, it was pretty pretty good work, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, uh, by the end that of that fourth year, it, it a lot of it came down to um, just – injuries you know uh he wasn't able to stay on the field for a full 16 games in any of his years with the Raiders and by uh the the year four in 2019 his season was cut down to nine games so um you know that went into him not returning uh just as much as anything else uh and in fact uh you know I know coach John Gruden and, and the staff uh really felt he was coming along in in 2019 uh before the injuries and all that so uh, there's a level of confidence in in, in Carl Joseph. Um, he had said, uh, I think it was earlier in that uh, in that clip, um, you know what he expected his role to be. If he had talked to Gus Bradley um, about about the role of new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, and, and one of the things uh, that 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 he mentioned was, hey, you know, uh, uh, roles change, and I think I think that is a, was significant in, in what he said roles change and kind of leads me to believe that they've been upfront with him um, with the Raiders that is uh, as far as you know you left a starter doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a starter upon your return um, obviously John, Jonathan Abram uh, is the strong safety right now and um, he'll have uh, every opportunity to solidify himself in that in that role going into his third year, really his second full season uh, with the Raiders. He missed so much time uh, as a, as a rookie uh, pretty much the whole season, except for one half of the season opener uh, to injuries. Um, So, you know, uh, Jonathan Abram got his feet wet last year. Uh, It was a weird season for him in a lot of different ways. He wasn't always the best player out there. Um, uh, There were mistakes along the way. Um, There were uh, hiccups, uh, there were some some good plays that he made without question, um, but there's a lot of growth that still needs to happen. And in Jonathan Abrams' defense, uh, COVID-19 uh, 
wreaked some havoc uh, with with Jonathan last year. Not so much in him getting it, uh, but you know having a missed time out of protocols, uh, tracing, contact tracing. Uh, there were there was a w- week where he went where he couldn't even be in the facility uh, to be with his teammates and practicing. Had to practice from home or just do what he could at home. And then, oh, by the way, uh, you're cleared to go play on Sunday. It was just very, very weird. So not conducive uh, to a guy that's trying to um, figure it out uh, at this level. Well, hopefully all of that's behind him, and uh, all of us, for that matter, with, with the, uh, the effect that COVID-19 uh, is having. And, and he could go through a regular year and a regular practice schedule and be there day in and day out. Um, and, and I think that that's you know, uh, going to help Jonathan Abram. But you know, if, if he's not up to the challenge, you've got Carl Joseph um, as an insurance policy. Uh, I think that uh, he brings that, Carl Joseph does. I think he brings some insurance in case the Raiders either A, can't get the guy that they want in the draft to play free safety, uh, or B, that player isn't ready to go uh, day one, uh, or C, uh, if there's another free agent option uh, in free agency that they're not able to get. Uh, whoever it is they may have their eye on uh, in that regard. Uh, Essentially saying that the signing of Carl Joseph uh, doesn't preclude the Raiders from drafting somebody. I think that they're going to, uh, a traditional kind of a free safety. And I think Carl Joseph is going to be somebody uh, that sort of floats around, and you can utilize him in uh, various different ways. Uh, We've talked about this before. Uh, there's a there's a lot of sets now, a lot of formations now defensively where teams are playing three safeties, and uh, Carl Joseph is going to get on the field a lot uh, in that regard. Um, maybe he comes in, maybe he wins the starting free safety job. Who knows? Maybe he takes Jonathan Abrams' job. Um, you know that 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 remains to be seen. So there's a bunch of different ways, you know, that, that the Raiders are going to be able to tap into Carl Joseph, but. Um, I wouldn't run away with the thought of, oh, they signed Carl Joseph. That means they're done at safety. I don't think that that's the case uh, at all. Um, I think that you know they, I believe, have their eye on somebody in the draft, whether it's in that second round or the third round. Uh, I think they're going to uh, find their guy, uh, their their long range safety, uh, somewhere along the line uh, of the draft at that point. Uh, and we'll see come training camp if that player is ready to uh, to lock down that job and win that job and be the player that the Raiders need uh, at that position. But if they can't, well, you know, Carl Joseph has a history uh, playing some free safety, quite a bit of it actually, uh, throughout his career uh, with the Raiders. And then last year with the Cleveland Browns, his we mentioned this earlier, uh, his one interception last year uh, came playing that position. Uh, if you want to Google it, there's a video of it. And, uh, you know, once you get past just, man, Dwayne Haskins, I don't know exactly what he was looking at. Uh, it, that was like the, raw, the, the, the literally the one route that you didn't try to throw to uh, out of that route tree and what, 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 you know, what the Washington Football Club was trying to do, especially based on what the defensive formation was and, and who ran where. Uh, there were some clear options to go to, and that was the least option. The least favorable option was the – throw that he tried to make uh and you know uh carl joseph being a savvy veteran completely saw the mistake and uh made Dwayne haskins pay for it but anyway that was his one interception last year and it came at free safety and we all know the raiders as of right now uh technically don't have a starter at free safety or a declared starter 
you could go through the defense and pretty much say who's the starter right now, right? Jonathan Abram is a starting uh, uh, strong safety. Uh, Corey Littleton, um, Nick Kwiatkowski, Nicholas Morrow are the starting linebackers. Uh, I'm thinking that it's going to be Yannick, Yannick Ngakwe, um, you know, either Jonathan Hankins or Maurice Hurst, um, either Quinton uh, uh, Jefferson or um, Jonathan Hankins or Mo Hurst. One of those three will be your will be your uh, starting defense, or two of those three will be your starting defensive tackles, uh, and Clee Farrell uh, will be the other starting defensive end. Sometimes Clee Farrell will get moved inside. I think you're going to see Max Crosby come in a lot on passing situations, which there's a lot of those uh, in the NFL, so he's going to get his snaps. But that's essentially your starting, or in the starting cornerbacks, Damon Arnett. Um, one of the other starting cornerbacks is obviously Trayvon Mullen, and depending on what the coverage look is, you've got a slot cornerback. Uh, right now, Amik Robertson would be, in line uh, to win that job. Maybe the Raiders go out and sign another quarterback, cornerback. Uh, maybe they move around some players. Uh, but that's essentially what it is. The most glaring hole right now, well, there's two really on, on defense because don't know if Amik Robertson is ready to assume that role and just don't know who the starting free safety uh, is going to be. Jeff Heath is there in reserve. I think Carl Joseph is there in reserve. If you have to do it, one of those two can be the starters uh, at free safety, but I don't think that's what the Raiders are planning on doing. I think they go out uh, and get a, uh, an, a another safety. So, um, you know, it was it was a it was a it was a good move by the Raiders. Um, you know, obviously Carl Joseph wants to be here. He expressed that uh, that he feels like, hey, you know, I'm not going to come back just for 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 any team. I did my homework. I watched this team from afar. You would expect that he would. Uh, being that he had just played four seasons uh, with the Raiders. Of course, you're going to keep your eye on your old team. Uh, he liked what he saw, and he understands what's in that locker room. He saw a bunch of those guys um, during his time with the Raiders, especially that last year with the Raiders, and some of these young pups uh, like Clee Farrell and Max Crosby and Trayvon Mullen um, and Jonathan Abram um, and Nicholas Morrow you know, and, and Jonathan Hankins and, uh, and Maurice Hurst. Uh, so he knows what's in that, what's 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 possible, what's the potential of this defense, uh, and he knows now that you know there's a capable defensive coordinator in, in, in Gus Bradley. He wants to be a part of this. He knows, you know, what kind of quarterback Derek Carr is now. The weapons that he has uh, around him, um, you know, I think Carl Joseph had choices to make uh, in where he was going to land. Um, I think he took a visit to the Pittsburgh Steelers, so. You know, that's a team that's perennially uh, challenging uh, for, for a playoff spot. He chose to come back to Las or to come back to the Raiders, not necessarily back to Las Vegas. His years were in Oakland, but he came back to, to the Raiders. And I think that, you know, that's not insignificant. Um, at this stage of his career, you figure if the money is relatively the same, uh, you're, you're going to go where you feel like you can win. Uh, what, you know, the organization, the team, the players, the teammates, uh, the infrastructure that's in place that gives you the best chance uh, to win. And I think uh, Carl Joseph deciding like, hey, you know what? Um, the money's relatively the same between here and there and, you know, whatever other teams were involved. Uh, I kind of like my chances going to the Raiders uh, to win. And I think he knows and understands uh, based on you know what he told us uh, when he was on our show on Friday, what he also said on the Zoom calls, uh, I don't think there's any promises of 
you know, a starting job. He's going to come in here and compete for a role. And, um, you know, and I, so he comes with eyes wide open as far as that goes. Uh, but, but just the fact that he wants to be here, wants to be a part of something that he thinks is close to turning that corner. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think bodes well uh, for the Raiders. Will they turn the corner? Um, I think they're going to be in position uh, this year uh, to do just that. Uh, and it's predicated, obviously, on um, guys just naturally progressing. You know, your, your Clee Farrells, your Max Crosby's, uh, your Corey Littleton, you know, getting his legs under him uh, after a year uh, here with the Raiders. Uh, and now just playing more comfortably in a system that maybe uh, suits him best. Guys like David Arnett being better. Guys like Trayvon Mullen being better. Guys like Jonathan Abram being better. I know that those are those are ifs. At this point, those are ifs. But, uh, you know, you could go to any number of teams and say, well, if this happens, if that happens, you know, you're, there's no guarantees that guys are going to be, uh, you know, good from one year to the next. We've seen guys fall off the cliff sometimes. Heck, Corey Littleton, you know, he was as certain uh, a certainty as there was going into last year, and it didn't happen. It didn't work out. And you can blame, you know, the system. You can blame uh, his unfamiliarity with the system. Uh, you can blame the fact that there wasn't any OTAs and minicamp and, and training camp was, you know, just a it was it was a shell of what it normally is. You can blame all of those things, the coaching staff, how he was used. But the fact is, um, what we thought was a certainty turned out to be anything but. Uh, so a lot of teams from year to year uh, go into that uh, under the same kind of circumstances. You don't know if guys are going to uh, continue to play at a high level or if there's going to be a dip or if there's going to be a, a hitch in the road or, or whatever the case might be. So when we talk about the Raiders and we talk about, okay, this guy needs to progress and, and, and that sort of thing. And there's a bunch of guys that do need to do that. It's not abnormal. It's not unusual. Um, this is just a young team that has been a work in progress that is still putting it together. Um, and they need guys to, to step up and be who the Raiders thought they were going to be when they, whether it was signing them as a free agent or drafting them in the first or second round. Uh, guys need to 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 become the players that the Raiders envision. Now, part of that is obviously on the players themselves. Uh, a lot of it is on uh, the system that they're playing in, the coaching that they're getting, um, how they're being utilized, uh, all of those things. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, we just haven't been able to see this defense be connected in that way. And when I say connected, I mean from the messaging up top to the assistant coaches to the players. Uh, to, to how this team functions as a unit, as a group, as a team. Uh, it's just always has seemed these last couple of years uh, like that's the one side of the ball where it's just been disconnected. Uh, the talent is there. There's talent to work with uh, on this Raiders defense, but they just haven't been able to, uh, it hasn't been able to come together in the collective sense. Uh, and, and that's what needs to happen. And that's on Gus Bradley. Uh, and it's on those players uh, to get connected. And there's no excuses for it not to be the case this year, especially if there's a regular offseason. Uh, none whatsoever. It's time. It's time for that defense to get its act together. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Welcome back. You're in the huddle, Vinny Monsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embodider. Uh, thanks for joining us on a beautiful uh, Monday. And, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, uh, things are headed in the right direction. And uh, I honestly can't wait uh, to see what Allegiant Stadium is going to look like uh, when that thing opens up uh, 100% capacity. Um, it looks like we're headed there. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, Bill Hornbuckle, the uh, CEO of uh, MGM Grand, uh, or MGM Resorts, I should say, uh, owns MGM Grand, obviously. Uh, and Mark Bedane, uh, the Raiders president, talking in very hopeful terms uh, on Saturday about, you know, uh, working with the governor, working with the state of Nevada, uh, paying attention to the science, you know, going by the numbers and, and, and just doing the right thing. Uh, but if it's trend, it's it is trending in the right direction, and if it continues uh, to trend in that direction, uh, there's a very good chance come football season, Allegiant Stadium is going to be uh, open to 100 percent uh, capacity. And um, you know, it's important because if you remember last year, uh, Raiders owner Mark Davis, uh, you know, basically made a stand and stood in solidarity with his fans uh, and said, "Look, if if because remember the." This time last year um, or so, as we were moving closer to the NFL season, it was pretty obvious that you know um, w- there was no way there was going to be full capacity at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, there was a hope, you know, from the from state officials that maybe you know you could get twenty percent, you know, ten percent fans in there. But Mark Davis said, "Listen, if it's not going to be a hundred percent, I don't want to do it. Uh, I don't want to tell." One of my season ticket holders, uh, they can't come to a game this year, let alone the thousands that he would have had to tell. Uh, I want to wait until um, this thing is open without restrictions and 100% of Raider Nation can be at the stadium uh, until we open it at all. Uh, And, you know, he stood in solidarity with his fans uh, by not attending any home games last year. Uh, The only time I saw Mark Davis uh, last year was on the road. Uh, when it came to Allegiant Stadium, he said, if my fans can't be there, if, if Raider Nation can't be there, I'm not going to be there uh, as well. And this is Mark Bedane, uh, the Raiders president, talking about the stand that Mark Davis uh, took last year that he hopefully doesn't have to take again this year. Well, Mark was in solidarity with the fans, and he said, if if they can't be in my stadium, I'm not going to be there. So he didn't see any games in the stadium last year, and, and I think that says a lot about who he is. And you can tell Raider Nation's ready to, to explode and, and to get into that stadium. Uh, they reach out to us all the time. They're, they're very excited about this upcoming season, and I think uh, they're going to be really proud of the building once they're inside it. Yeah, uh, and again, that's Mark Bedane, uh, the Raiders' uh, CEO and president, talking about... Um, you know, uh, his boss, Mark Davis, uh, deciding and opting against going to games last year at Allegiant Stadium. It wasn't because he didn't want to be there. Uh, he just felt like, look, uh, you know, uh, he's obviously the owner uh, of, of, of the Raiders, but he's also, you know, the head of Raider Nation, to be honest with you. There's nobody that cares more <laughs> than Mark Davis, I can assure you of that. Uh, and he takes that responsibility very, very seriously, and he understands that he's, uh, essentially a caretaker uh, for a legion of fans, a nation, for crying out loud, uh, of Raider fans. Um, and he understood, what he really understood was 
in addition to all that. You know, for a season ticket holder, and we've talked about this before, you're not just, a, when a new stadium opens up, you're not, and you buy season tickets to it, you're not just paying for the actual seats. You're ta- also paying uh, what they call a personal seat license, a PSL. And uh, the misnomer is that uh, it's just another way for owners to make money. Um, and But by league rule, that money that's generated from that quote-unquote tax on your on your season ticket holders, that season uh, personal seat license, that PSL money, it actually goes to construction of the stadium. So what you're doing is you're building a stadium. You're you know uh, a couple years from from when it opens up, you start putting this, the tickets on on sale. Maybe maybe even a little bit closer to the opening date, you start putting your season tickets on sale. Um, and you know each ticket wherever you're sitting has a price, but then there's also a PSL attached. That uh, payment, that PSL, allows you to keep control of that seat throughout the duration of um, the lease. And uh, I want to say that the uh, Raiders' lease with um, uh, Allegiant Stadium is 30 years. So if you bought a PSL and, and season tickets, you have the right to that ticket for the next 30 years. Um, and so nobody can come in and swoop in and say, I'm going to offer you know, X amount of dollars to the Raiders uh, for that ticket. Nope. Um, that the PSL owner uh, essentially owns those seats. Now, of course, you have to re-up every year on the season um, ticket side of it, uh, but you have access. That's your seat for the duration of uh, you know the, the the lease of the stadium. And but but more importantly, that money goes toward construction of the stadium. So everybody that bought a season ticket. Uh, to Allegiant Stadium has a stake in that stadium. It's partly theirs. They helped build it. Uh, money that they put toward their tickets literally went to construction of the stadium. And so Mark Davis said, "Look, you know, we sold sixty-five thousand season tickets here. Um, that's sixty-five thousand people uh, that you know have a role." and a stake in this stadium being built. I'm not going to open it up to half of those fans uh, that, that, that you know, uh, put their hard-earned money toward construction of the stadium. I'm not going to open it to 20% of the fans. Uh, I don't – that's not fair. <laughs> and so uh, until it's 100%, then nobody's going, including myself, <laughs> you know. So he stayed away. Hopefully we don't deal with that again this year. Uh, it looks like things are starting to really trend in the right direction. Vaccinations are up. Uh, numbers are down. Um, hopefully by July, uh, the state will be able to start looking ahead to August when the season essentially starts with preseason uh, and say, you know what? We're on a good path. We're going to open up all venues, including Allegiant Stadium, to 100% capacity. Now, there might be some stipulations with masks and all that type of deal, but we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when, when we get there. Uh, there's a good chance that come the fall, Allegiant Stadium is going to be open to 100% of the fans. And I can't wait for that. You're in the huddle. Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. We'll be back at it tomorrow, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Thanks to the callers. Thanks to Sam Gordon. Uh, thanks to uh, Damon Cotton doing everything he does as our great producer. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.